the matches are really offensive and there's a it's like a like welcome to the thunderdome type <laughs> feeling Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. This episode is sponsored by Thing. The Seattle Theater Group and Sasquatch Festival founder Adam Zacks present Thing. From August 26th through the 28th at Historic Fort Warden in Port Townsend, you can enjoy a vast musical lineup, including Jungle, Modest Mouse, Father John Misty, and many more. The Thing Festival features two primary stages overlooking the Puget Sound, not to mention a variety of camping and parking accommodations. You can either book a one-day or three-day pass, and kids 12 and under are free, making this an event for the whole family. Come enjoy live music, art, and beautiful Fort Warden with us. To find out all the details, visit thingnw.org. All right, well, welcome back to this episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast. My guest today is Ryan Perkins. Ryan is the marketing guy and part owner of the Olytown Artesians Soccer Club, or clubs, I guess is maybe the better word. Ryan will correct me here in a second. Um, Ryan, welcome. Thanks for making some time. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about you before we talk about Olytown? Yeah, thank you so much, Scott. Uh, name is Ryan Perkins. Uh, I actually come from a football slash soccer background, um, played uh Pretty high-level youth soccer with Olympic development program. Uh, the Sounders, I traveled to Germany and played in some tournaments in Mexico, um, representing the United States down there in Guadalajara, and and was a goalkeeper. Um, ended up being, you know, all-state for high school, um, both in forward and goalkeeping for high school anyways, at North Thurston High School. Okay. Uh, but ended up actually going to the proverbial dark side um, of football, and got a scholarship to kick field goals for the University of Washington. And I was recruited by some other schools like Oregon and, and WSU, Ohio State, and Iowa. Wow. Uh, ended up uh, choosing UW uh, uh, more be probably because my family was uh, diehard Huskies and had some uh, folks that just through the generations loved Husky ball, probably because of the 91 national champion team. Um, so... That's kind of my background with soccer is I played a long time ago as a youth, really high level, um, was pretty good, had late scholarship offers for playing soccer in college. But at that point, I already committed my junior year of high school to play football. Okay. Um, so I returned to the game, um, immediately kind of graduated, uh, graduated in, in 2009 from new dub and tried to play semi-professional with my friends, uh, but there was no team in Olympia. Uh, or Tacoma, Federal Way, Gig Harbor, there was nothing. Uh, so we had to drive to downtown Seattle to basically play semi-professional slash even some professional tryouts. Um, and then I ended up um, with the Artesians later on with their arena team. And, uh, and, and ever since, I've been more in a front office position until I, I purchased the club last year. Well, that's awesome. So I have to ask this question. I think you are the first Division One football player that I've ever talked to. You were a kicker, and you got recruited by Oregon and Iowa and Ohio State. I mean, those are those are really great programs. So you obviously, as a high school kid, showed immense talent enough to have those conversations for for like Ohio State to to offer you something. So you played for the Huskies. You played Pac. Was it Pac twelve back then? Yeah, it would be Pac twelve. Okay. Pac 10, Pac 10 yeah. when I played and okay. then I went Pac 12 kind of right afterwards. So during your collegiate career, where was the worst place for you to kick at? Where was the hard, where was the toughest environment? Um, I actually thought, um, uh, University of Oregon's really cool because it's right on top of the field. There's literally no space between you and the fans. Right. And it's funny, the, the, the police actually come into the team room before we travel down there um, and, and our staff that basically says, don't engage with the fans. They're going to throw <laughs> things at you. They're going to throw batteries at you oh, that are triple A's, like keep your helmet on. 
Um, so you like, you're not allowed to take off your helmet basically in Oregon, um, uh, at Autzen. Yeah. Real, real interesting. Wow. University of Hawaii was actually really great because they have the Hakka, uh, they do the Hakka presentation and, and they have these stacks of speakers and bass and basically they try and the dancers intimidate you like these warriors, these Hakka warriors, um, the over in Hawaii when we played against the University of Hawaii. And that was really cool. I think an intimidation factor, um, you know, it was, it was really kind of, kind of neat and fun and okay. it was loud. And then in your opinion, what was the most memorable play that you participated in for you? Um, cause I didn't look up your stats. Did you ever kick like a, a game winner in the fourth quarter? Did you, what, yeah. What was the, yeah. like, like, you're like, this is it for me. This is, this is, this is it. Yeah. This is my signature. <laughs> well, there, I would say there's a couple that stand out. There was one for me personally where uh, we played against uh, Cal yeah, at Husky Stadium and we won and I had a few field goals. It was on national television on a- ABC, I believe. Okay. And I had a really great 45 yard field goal. It was like my third on the day. And it was just one of those days where it was just like, everything was perfect as a kicker uh, for me. But I would say the most memorable play that will always, I'll always remember was uh, we returned a kickoff in the Apple Cup uh, my junior year at Husky Stadium for a touchdown and, you know, sold out wall-to-wall people. And I remember, you know, running from the other side of the field to go kick this PAT. And I'm running down the middle of Husky Stadium and it's just this noise in this wall of blurred vision. Like I'm running down the middle of Husky Stadium at the Apple Cup to go kick an extra point, which is basic, right? Very right. basic moment. But the it was so loud to be in the Apple Cup at, at Husky Stadium. And I had a good day that day, you know, made a few field goals. Um, that was when we were playing at Husky Stadium. Uh, I think that was 2007. Okay. In the Apple Cup. And I'll just never forget that. That was the loudest thing I've ever heard in my life is a return touchdown, um, you know, be, between the Cougars and the Huskies. It's a big deal. All right. I guess I got really one more loud. question. To your to your two-part question, uh, what was maybe the longest field goal you kicked for the Huskies? And then the, opposite, or the other side of that question is, in practice, what's the longest you ever kicked one? Yeah. So um, I should probably preface this answer with I actually had my knee reconstructed. Um, I I had my ACL, MCL, LCL, PCL uh, torn my freshman year with the Huskies. So I had a reconstructed knee when I kicked actually for the Huskies my junior and senior year. So I I had like a full sophomore year recovery from a massive knee reconstruction surgery. I actually took two surgeries at that time to put it together. Um, and I actually started after that. So my, my distance really changed between high school and when I started in in college. Um, so I think my longest uh, was like 46, I think in, in college, um, never really tried anything longer than that. Um, but in the East West all American game, um, I hit a 55 yard field goal. My, uh, so between my senior year and my freshman year of college and then my longest in practice, I want to say it was like 65, 66 with some good wind mm-hmm. at Husky Stadium with the team. It was the longest thing I've ever hit in terms of, I think, a practice hit. So it was like 65, 66. And that was my freshman year before my knee and my pretty bad knee injury. Well, I don't think I've ever heard of anybody that has torn every ligament there. I mean, that's yikes. That's that's massive. So the fact that you were yeah. able to come back and kick at a competitive level is really impressive. Uh, yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. It was actually uh, stemmed from the purple and gold game where two of my own players actually got in a fight after a snap and they fell into my leg and oh. caved it, caved it in. Oh, no, that's okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, good times. Go. Good times. All right. So to, but help me out here. So like like I've told you, I, I don't know very much about soccer. I know more about football and I don't you know, I'm not a football. I never played or anything like that. But so. Did soccer help you with football? Did football help you with soccer? Oh, absolutely. The only reason I got a scholarship to go play, you know, D1 football was because of my goalkeeping uh, training and years uh, and, you know, kicking the ball downfield, punting. I was probably a better punter than I was place kicker. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had like a 47 yard average in high school. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And that's actually from the line of scrimmage. So add, you know, 10 to 15 yards onto that. And that was my average. And so the soccer piece playing goalkeeper, you know, goal kicks and punting, you know, it, it, my, my body was used to kicking a ball very, very far. Okay. All right. So when you were growing up, did you ever think you'd own a, a football club, a soccer club? Did that, <laughs> was that ever anything in your cards for you? No, no. I, <laughs> I, I was more probably interested in playing. In fact, there's a lot of regret that I have that I uh, committed to football my junior year, you know, and I think there's some principle, uh, you know, some pride and principle um, that I couldn't go back on my, my offer and my acceptance to the Huskies uh, because um, I didn't get my scholarship offers for soccer until literally June of my senior year. Like I'm about to walk oh, geez. and I finally got my offers, but I was reporting to the University of Washington in literally two weeks for early campus arrival. So it was mm-hmm. like, there's a piece of me that was like, oh my gosh, like I didn't know this was going to happen. And what did I do? You know, because I think my passion was soccer and football was just my proverbial meal ticket. Like I get my education paid for and I get to go play D1 football. So it was like really conflicting for me at the time. Okay, yeah, that well. And then you add in a massive knee surgery. Um. (laughs) Hindsight's 2020, right? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. if I would have played soccer, I never would have had this. Yeah. debilitating injury that's caused so much grief even for me and my arthritis at the ripe age of 35 and the so, so knee you replacement. Are, I mean, you know, this, I'm sorry, this is a really, you know, but does the knee bother you in day-to-day activity? Oh, it's awful. It's awful. It's, uh, oh, it man. grinds, it hurts. I, doctors tell me all the time to get a total knee replacement, but I'm only 35. I, I still like to run and play and go skiing and, mm-hmm. and even, and put up with the pain for a few days afterwards. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's rough, man. Okay. So why don't you tell us about what's the backstory here for the Oli town artisans? Um, or is it artisans? It should be artisan. Yeah. Artisans. Yeah. Artisans. Yeah. It's the water. Um, you probably don't. Well, it's, it's the water. It's the water. Beer, Olympia beer. Yeah. So what's the backstory there? How did this, how did this all come about? And then how did you get in? I mean, you were a player originally, but you know, how did, so how did all this come to where we are today? Yeah. So the region actually really didn't have a whole lot of semi-professional lower division soccer. And in 2014, the club was founded by a gentleman named Brandon Sparks, which is kind of a sports marketing guru um, that really wanted to bring soccer to the South Sound. And so it started with an indoor team, uh, which competed in basically what we kind of uh, generalize as a farm league for the major arena soccer league, which is the professional, like the Tacoma Stars that play out of the Showwear Center in Kent. And so the Oli Town Artisans first and foremost started as a men's arena team playing against about four or five other teams around the region that had access to an indoor soccer facility. Um, and so that's where it started. I, I played goalkeeper for a couple of years for that, um, that, that team, the arena team for the Oli Town Artisans. And then eventually, you know, these are a bunch of young guys that come out and play a lot of college, a lot of post-college, some professionals that come out that just want to work out and keep fit in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, so at some point, I was a little aged and talented out, skill set out, because there's just a bunch of young guys who are super fit and kicking butt. So I actually didn't want to let go, and I ended up uh, in the administration side doing like sponsorships and management and things like that. And so the programs have escalated from there. So today, so starting with the men's indoor, today we have five teams. Uh, We have men's and women's arena league and then we have men's and women's outdoor but we have three teams in outdoor right now so it's uh there's a lot going on now compared to back then in 2014 wow total soccer novice question what's the in your opinion what's the difference between indoor soccer and outdoor soccer oh it's a completely different game it's like imagine like watching hockey but with a soccer ball is there's boards there's glass it's like 
shots nonstop. The goalkeeping action is crazy because there's even if you miss, it goes off a board and becomes an immediate rebound shot. And it's like just constant, like entertaining, you know, sports. It's like some of some games are like nine to five or like 11 to eight. You know, it's like insane. And it's just back and forth, back and forth. A lot of wall play, a lot of different plays that can be made. It's almost like basketball meets hockey, but with a soccer ball. Um, you know, there's plays, there's development, there's there and there's just nonstop. And then the outdoor game, you know, it's really spread out. You know, you're looking at 120 yard long field by 60 yards wide. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of space to develop and slow down the game and strategic. It has to be way more strategic. Um, and it's not as like, um, you know, in your face, nonstop action. Kind so, like. Is there a kind of a similarity between, say, indoor soccer and and outdoor soccer to like arena league football? And oh yeah, that's a great analogy. Much more, much more of an offensive game. Much yeah. Okay. Yeah, especially in some of the arenas here in the Puget Sound and in our home court, uh, our home field. Like you can take a few steps out of the defensive third, and you'll be in the offensive third. So how big is your how big is your field? In, in ours indoor. is about 45 50 yards oh uh probably more towards that 40 45 whereas the other fields are about 20 yards longer um so, and so I, the, I don't i don't have the regulation size in front of me but there are significantly less than 120 yard outdoor field it's like sure. half of that so what I know about soccer is from watching Ted Lasso. I mean, that's that's really not, I mean, it's kind of funny, but that's really accurate. So there was this Hell scene yeah. where they, they were going to go play um, in the new Wembley. Oh, yeah. And they yep. mentioned that the new Wembley field is bigger than, than what they're used to playing on. So soccer fields can have varying sizes? I mean... Yeah. Well, what you find is like some fields are a little bit less or a little bit more than regulation. So like FIFA, the governing body of just, you know, international soccer, like there's some situations where stadiums when they're made and fields when they're made that they don't exactly meet certain standards or there's a window. So, you know, uh, as long as you're close, like people aren't going to bug you about you okay. know, five or 10 yards, especially as it becomes a construction issue, like, you know, drainage and pipes and electric, like sometimes you just have to change something with the field. So, gotcha. So yeah. that actually makes me like, that makes me, I don't want to say like soccer more, but it's like baseball when you, all, every baseball stadium's a little different, right? They've all got, you know, quirks, like, you know, 420 foot center field wall that's 12 feet high. No one's going to hit it out of that versus Boston that, you know, I might be able to hit it out in Boston. <laughs> Um, oh yeah. So to ha- the fact that there's, it can be these variables is kind of cool. Okay. Oh yeah. People love to actually come down to us because the matches are really offensive and there's a, it's like a, like welcome to the Thunderdome type <laughs> feeling, you know, like okay. this place is fun. It's like, we get to shoot all the time. We can shoot from anywhere and it's like loud and it's exciting. Whereas some of the other fields are a lot longer mm-hmm. and not as exciting. There's more buildup and more strategy and more space. So, okay. Your team in the USL two, this is, is this, this is your first season in the USL two? It is. It is. We okay. just signed in January with USL. So. Right. So you and you and so my understanding is what there's six teams in the Northwest division. Yes. And, and you and Ballard FC are the only two in Washington state. Yeah, we, uh, we <laughs> both joined. This is our first inaugural season. So yeah. how has that been? Um, pro- we probably have really different experiences on how the rollout's been and the planning, obviously, um, we we actually our conversations didn't start with USL actually until literally Christmas wow. last year. This last year, where wow. it was kind of like, "Hey, we're vetting, we're growing, we're expanding. You guys have a pretty large footprint and followers and broadcast, and you guys have a really great game day experience with the lower division semi pro leagues. You know, the word on the street is you guys can really positively impact." an expansion with USL two. 
um, you know, do you want to join? <laughs> and we need you to start like in a few months. <laughs> so <laughs> it was like, it was a whirlwind, but you know, it made a lot of sense for a lot of reasons, you know, both business and soccer. Um, so for us, it was, it's been intense. It's been intense trying to follow all the new regulations, all the new um, constraints and, and trying to recruit players into Olympia, which is on an island between Seattle and Portland in terms of like actually, you know, finding talent, you know, from the professional level, semi-professional level and colleges. And so mm -hmm. for us, it's been very intense or even to just to find a coach that it doesn't already have a maxed out schedule in the South Sound and then also trying to like get coaches from, you know, Seattle and Tacoma that are willing to fight traffic all the way to Olympia. There's no traffic between <laughs> Tacoma and Olympia. Come on, man. Don't, yeah. Don't well, keep spreading that rumor. <laughs> I used yeah. to make that drive every day. There's no traffic. Yeah. I don't know, man. That yeah. JBLM on a, on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday night uh, can be. <sighs> Can be interesting. the The old zipper lane move is what I say. Get the get the zipper lane move. I I used to live off of Highway Five Twelve. Oh so, yeah, yeah. Okay, you know what's up. And my office was on Pacific Avenue there, on, in Olympia. Oh. Okay, mm -hmm. by the what what used to be Mullinex Ford. It's so that area of town, the little you know, oh, east yeah. of yeah. Okay, and oh, yeah. on a good day, it would take me. It was twenty eight miles. It would take me forty five minutes. Wow. My my personal record was four and a half hours. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, because you know, That's if there's insane. a big accident and oh, yeah. you can't jump off to Yelm, you're stuck. Yeah. You're, yeah. So, you're, you're in a bad place. So yeah. yeah. I mean, for coaches, yeah, I can see that would be a little, I, like say I was qualified. I probably wouldn't want to do it because I'm like, Oh, I don't want to sit in this stuff. I just don't want to no. do it. Oh yeah. It's, but, it, it was tough. Yeah. So how did you go about, let's, let's talk about, you know, building this roster then. So you, you basically had to build this roster. You had what, about six months, right? Cause you started playing in like May. So actually four months maybe. Yeah. We tried to do, um, we tried to do this exhibition piece where we get some practice games in, in April and May. Mm -hmm. um, and what we really found is that a lot of D1, D2, D3 schools have a spring college season. Yep. And so even though we had this idea that we would start early, train, develop players, get used to each other, build camaraderie, get some games in, we actually didn't get like, you know, 50 to 70% of our roster until May 1st or May 10th. Wow. And when was your first match? <laughs> May 21st. Wow. And so we had this like giant pool of players that tried out for us, which had a lot of great athletes uh, and some that were just kind of like hoping that they would make it. And mm -hmm. then, and then it basically dwindled down into, well, you know, we've had these exhibitions, we had some good signings and then all of a sudden May 5th and 10th hit. And it was like, we, you know, we had another you know, 10 guys show up out of nowhere that were significantly, uh, you know, more talented and skill set or used to that level of play. And, mm -hmm. and so they kind of made, ended up making the starting roster so we could compete. Um, okay. So that's kind of how it went. So from a quality standpoint, the USL two versus what you guys were playing it, how big of a jump is that? Um, It's pretty significant. It's, mm -hmm. it's like there's, teams that have full D1 start, starters at, you know, UW, you know, multiple, you know, Oregon State. Um, and then there's also like guys that are professionals or international players that play for their international teams that wow. play <laughs> against stars. Um, and so, so for us, it, it, it's like you go from a league that has you know, sometimes even the the league that we had that we were in the Evergreen Premier League and some of these others is a lot of guys that are maybe even a little older that are still trying to play. Um, some younger high school guys that maybe are really good at their mm -hmm. age, but trying to compete at a higher level. And so now we're going up against like former pros, current professionals, current Division One you know, international comp competition players that are traveling the world and playing 
Like we mm-hmm. lost our, we lost our, def- like our star defender, or at least one of our better players to an international competition in Egypt, you know, uh, you know, that they're training over there for a month or two. And, you know, it's, uh, so it's way different. It's way better. Okay. All right. How, so where, where, where are you guys playing your home matches at? Uh, that's, I'm actually really happy you brought that up. There is, uh, that's another piece that's really difficult down in Olympia is we play at basically the only options down here for a stadium that has a soccer field are all owned by school districts and schools. Mm -hmm. And so currently we're playing at black Hills high school. Um, however, it limits us in terms of like what we can actually accomplish to provide a really great game day experience in, in slash sports entertainment. Mm-hmm. So like we can't have a beer garden. We can't, you know, do fireworks. We can't do certain things. Um, uh, and, and it kind of limits us. Um, so, you know, in a perfect world, you know, we develop relationships. We, we start coalitions for trying to get soccer stadiums and different things built out with cities and counties and, and, and stuff like that. So our hope is to, develop something really great that we can show people like, Hey, this region needs a, you know, private public stadium, you know, mm-hmm. USL soccer is here. You know, we can have exhibitions and games against, you know, Sounders, Timbers, Thorns, you know, you name it. Um, you know, soccer is here and it's a, it's a huge sport. that Puget sound like take world cup, for instance, Seattle just won the, the bid to yeah. host a literally world cup action with stars stars from around the world and and to to think that that is here and olympia doesn't have a single private public soccer stadium is is really like oh we're kind of i think we're kind of behind whereas you know ballard has interbay stadium there's several other stadiums in seattle tacoma Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah we kind of need to catch up here and and so we're at black hills right now and and uh it's a good it's a good place for us to play it's just it's a school district so we're really limited so it limits a little bit of the 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 sports entertainment aspect of it let's say yeah you know and okay. yeah there's there's a lot of little things that you know there's some stadiums that are really great that we want to be in but they won't allow us to use the press box or the scoreboard you know and it's like how how does that work you know what i mean like we have a USL soccer team here that's willing to pay for a stadium, and but you won't allow us to use the scoreboard or the press box. You know, it's like, <laughs> come on, man. that's 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 perplexing and disappointing at the same time. Okay, yes, yes. So you, you used to play for the team, went into you know marketing aspect, and then you you decided to put your money where your mouth is, become an owner. Yes, oh, yes. There was a couple. My understanding is there's a couple of other. The, with the new ownership group, there was a couple more partners, right? Yeah, no. it's kind of a clear as mud situation. Oh. But I, uh, I was kind of like the pseudo partnerships manager, sponsorship, and some general management. And there was a former ownership group, and uh, there was just a lot of things happening post COVID that took a lot of work to get this standing up again. And I spent a lot of hours working on because it's passion for me. Like I love putting on game days and getting the players what they need to be successful. And and so I was like super passionate about it. And so the, the old uh, ownership group actually offered me the club. And so technically I bought it. And then what I did okay. was <laughs> I was like, hey, like we need to kind of diversify this management and financially it makes more sense. So we started an ownership group. Um, and we kind of taken on roles and, 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 and we're all contributing in our own way. So there's three of us, there's Jason Smith, uh, Shelton, um, and then Matt Herrera, who's actually had every position in the club technically, <laughs> uh, since 2014. So he was oh, wow. a, a no brainer, uh, passion, passionate about it and wanted to put money in and, and help and help grow it. Okay. So who's your who, who's your coach this year? So that's another thing. Uh, <laughs> also, you know, re, you know, symbolizes our issue with finding a coach here was, um, 
and it also maybe shot my own self in the foot starting the ownership group is I actually, those two guys are, are two of the top soccer coaches in the South sound. Oh, so Matt Herrera, uh, who's, you know, one of the, um, owners, um, actually has coached high level club soccer. He's, he's coached arena soccer, outdoor premier soccer, and then also coaches up of our, I think he's coached for 15 or 15 years or 18 years in varsity soccer um, and, you know, been to state tournaments. Um, so what ended up happening is we interviewed dozens and dozens of coaches and it was always something I can't make that drive. I'm already over committed with my other programs. And so what ended up happening was it was like, well, we need to stand this thing up year one. So, you know, what happened was is Jay and then Jason Smith is also a coach too for club and high school. And, and he was like, how about, and he's older too, demands respect. He's kind of an alpha male. And, uh, and it's, and it was like, all right, well, why don't we, why don't we look at Jason to coach year one, um, and take our time to recruit another coach down the road, you know, that maybe wants to take the time to build this down here in Olympia. Um, and then Matt took over our women's program, which is literally the most successful program we have right now. They're playing in a championship this weekend, but nice. the, the USL side is predominantly either former players or former coaches. So it's Jason Smith is our head coach. Our assistant coach is our previous captain of our team. Uh, his name is Nate Boatwright. And then our goalkeeper coach is in our Uli town hall of fame. He has the most minutes, most saves, most shutouts over six years his name's jj olson and he's our goalkeeper coach and so that's our usl2 staff okay um and then matt just kind of heads up just overall operations for that so it's all internal right now this first year because okay. we couldn't find anybody we couldn't find okay. a single coach to commit to us so how often do you guys practice is it a daily thing is it you know no we just show up for matches or is there somewhere in between Oh yeah. It's a, it's three nights a week. Um, sometimes that third night is film study or a walkthrough. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, two, two and a half hours of training. Um, and then game days are usually fr either Friday, Saturday or Sunday. Um, and so there is significant practice time, I would say for a, you know, path to pro semi-professional pro-am. There's a lot of different ways to say it. The USL is more, uh, you know, pre-professional because technically there's clubs in the USL that are owned by professional soccer organizations. Um, and then also technically if you place in the top two in USL two, you actually can go to the US Open Cup and play against, you know, the Sounders, the Timbers, MLS teams. And so you really can't say it's semi-pro anymore because you're playing against pros right. <laughs> and you could potentially play against the MLS, you know, and things like that that's that's the one thing I, i'm i'm as i'm getting up to to a level of some level of awareness about your sport i heard that there's 140 teams in the usl2 and or something to that effect right and that's like my i just was like wow i had no clue zero clue that yeah. this was you know let's just say just say 140 is accurate We'll fact check it, but you know, you know, let's say it's 140. That's crazy to me. It is. That's, that's I, I had no idea that there was that much. Um, yeah, I, uh, I would say the best way to put the USL two and like this whole like kind of like this minor league pre professional is case study like Seattle, right? Seattle, massive metropolitan city. They have the Seattle Sounders. They have we have the rain, and what happens though is it's so massive. It's huge. Like there's a massive stadium involved. It's pros, international superstars. But what happens is, you know, there's a lot of communities and cities and towns that have fantastic soccer players, and and this is kind of like that 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 league that can build you know, your brand as a player to be mm -hmm. noticed by the next level. Because yeah. I think there's a lot of players in so many communities that either do not have the resources to, 
you know, get training or get airfare or get opportunities to be noticed. And in like in our case in Olympia, we it's not a pay to play situation. And and we're able to bring in guys that are actually legit. Maybe there's a there's a guy randomly from Shelton, right? Mm-hmm. That 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 doesn't have a whole lot of money, maybe, you know, doesn't feel like they can make it to a a situation or a network where they can find a way to make it to the Sounders, but they can go to Olympia for Oli Town and make the team, which is not a pay-to-play system. If you're mm-hmm. good, you make it. Like, we'll put a uniform on you. We'll provide you everything you need to be successful and and go out there and compete. And, and then, you know, you get goal of the week or save of the week, and now you're being noticed by the entire USL nation. And, mm-hmm. and we're, when there's a pretty big international following too. And before you know it, you're getting looks from all these clubs across the world. And all of a sudden, we're, we're signing a professional contract with you in a second division in England, you know, second division in Germany. And all of a sudden, it's like, there you go. That's the, that's the stepping stone. Wow. Right. Yeah. So you, it's a platform for you to get out there and, and show your talent. And you, yes. You guys yes. provide, you know, the promotional opportunity. Yep. Which actually, that leads to a question. So are you live streaming the events? We are. We actually have a full broadcast compared to a lot of other clubs. We actually have play-by-play. Sometimes we have even an extra color guy. Wow. Uh, we have a broadcast director, graphics, commercials. <laughs> like we, uh, we have a YouTube channel. We have Facebook Live. Um, USL has a platform that takes the, the film and post it for other teams. And so, yeah, we do, we stream it. Is that, is that, I don't know what it says. Is that a, an income generating opportunity for you? Can you sell advertising? Does that, does that work that way? Oh yeah. It's, it's definitely turned into that, especially with this USL piece. Uh, We went from having maybe 50 to 75 people watching a game to expanding to over a thousand per game with our wow. YouTube channel, Oli Town Artisans, and then also on Facebook Live. So our Facebook wow. Live doesn't have as many um, as our YouTube channel now, but if we combine the numbers based on, you know, year to date, you know, analytics, the, uh, the USL piece has, you know, grown hundreds of percents. <laughs> Nice. And so nice. uh, it's it's good. So we, so technically, you know, because we're not a pay to play system, like we are at the mercy of local businesses, you know, sponsoring us. And in return, we have to find unique ways to market and advertise them, whether it's on a jersey or it's uh, a graphic or a commercial on our broadcast or we could take a title sponsor and name our field after after it. And it's all in all of our tickets and the USL website. And and so. Yeah, we have to be really unique in how we fund our programs. And so the broadcast has definitely become a piece of it. Okay. So this is a two-part question then. Both the business community and the community. How has how, how Oli Town, how, how have you guys been received by the community? I mean, fans, are you, are you getting a good attendance at the matches? Are businesses stepping up and sponsoring the club? Yeah, there there has been a really good response from the business community, um, you know, especially saying, hey, we've gone USL, you know, here are the numbers that we're seeing from other teams across the nation. You know, would you be willing to support something like this and find ways to work together? And and there's been multiple companies and organizations in Olympia, even downtown that are like, yeah. You just let us know what you need and we're going to make, we're going to make this happen. Like we're going to, we're going to get our employees out. We're going to, you know, provide money. You know, we try and market in return as much as we can. Um, there, so, and then, but there are obviously Olympia is not like a huge hub for, uh, massive corporations. You know what I mean? There's a lot of state employees in Olympia. So like we are not, we are not competing financially i don't think with you know a club like ballard you know (laughs) so it's not like i we're you know we don't have a ton of businesses here that are you know drowning in money and they can just hand it off so so 
so are your sponsors typically like i mean i was looking on your website and like i saw van dorm uh real estate in, yeah uh, and uh you know which is a local local yeah. van dorm well lady brew house is on our jerseys form of construction um dancing goats coffee is a new title sponsor this year mm-hmm. um and so you know pretty local um mm-hmm. and and uh definitely feels good to have like you know instead of like microsoft or xbox or starbucks on our title you know jerseys it's like nice to see the team go play against really high level usl teams and they're sitting there and they're looking at a well lady brew house you know what's well lady oh man when i'm an olympia i gotta go check that out you know i gotta go right. get a beer over there or, or van dorm you know yeah so yeah I would say the business side of it's been a good response. We definitely need more. (laughs) It's, it's, it's one of those things where it's, you know, there's always going to be somewhere where we're lacking, you know, whether it's coaching salaries, it's the field rentals with Tomwater school district increased 300% out of nowhere. Um, (laughs) So it was like what we budgeted for, um, and we're told what we were going to pay, like increased out of nowhere. And so it was just like, like, yeah, we could definitely use more help. Um, and so the community though, aspect of it, like ticket income and fan support, season tickets, merchandise, we definitely have grown. Um, you know, we would, we would have, you know, a hundred people or so come out previously, but now we're looking at, you know, 200, 300 people a game. Okay. Um, our one of our challenges though is like our stadium the stadium that we did have to go with uh you know is feels like you're leaving olympia it's like way but way like by the olympia airport but Mm -hmm. on the west side and we've got but we've got a beautiful backdrop of the black hills capital forest there's some farms over there um and and so we do feel a little out of the way um yeah but does the South Sound embrace you guys? Because, you know, there's Olympia, but you got Lacey, you've got Tumwater, you've got, you know, your coaches, you know, one of your owners is from Shelton, which I know is a bit away, but, you know, is, are you becoming kind of a draw for that whole South Sound Metroplex? Yeah. Well, this, I think, yes, based on like, we finally started trying to pay for some advertising, you know, like, mm-hmm. Like, oh, we've got a backlit banner at the mall. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, and it's got like a ticket information and like a, some, a, a picture, you know? it's Right. And so I think the biggest thing for us is not technically we're the highest form of sports entertainment now in the South Sound. Right. And, in Olympia, I should say. In Olympia. And so... I think people, when they hear about us, are kind of like, oh, wow, I didn't know that was here. I need to get my family out there. And and I do get that feedback from people. Um, but I would say just kind of like, like you were saying before, um, a lot of people don't know that this league or like this kind of team or club exists because so people are so used to looking at the newspaper and it's like Seattle Mariners, you know, Seattle Seahawks, Seattle Storm the rain and then sounders and then that's it you know there's Mm -hmm. literally it feels like there's not really any coverage on what would be a normal media you know um source for people like they don't there's no coverage usually for a program like ours so does the olympian cover you guys do you get your scores at least in the olympian unfortunately no i know that even our former general manager ever since 2014 has tried to knock on the Olympian and, and no, no scores, no schedule. Um, I'm hoping to get some type of article this year, but you know, the, the, the coverage is just tough. It's really tough. And I know Ballard made it in the Seattle times and, you know, there's things in unique ways. I'm sure that they made that happen, but it, it would be really nice to make the local newspaper. It, it would really be nice. Yeah, that'd be, I mean, we don't want to, we, <laughs> we won't beat that horse. All good. I'll so, get, but you know, yeah, you know. Yeah, no, I get, I do get it. And in, in, I'm very familiar with the. Yeah. Yeah. With that. <laughs> um, yes, indeed. In your opinion, 
so to me, it seems a little odd that there's six teams in the division, four of them in Olympia, or not four of them in Olympia, that'd be weird, but four of them in Oregon, two are in Washington. Do you anticipate that the league will continue to look for municipalities in Washington to grow? Yeah, I think it's in the best interest of the league and the division to to find clubs that are going to, you know, compete and provide this level of play in communities. And, you know, I do think, you know, getting the, the division to seven or teams or at least, you know, would be nice. Um, so I do anticipate there to be, to be more. And I know some divisions have, a, you know, a lot of teams like eight, nine, 10, and wow. yeah. which makes it a lot easier because, what we have right now is like Ballard. We play Ballard three times in league play mm-hmm. when we should probably only play them twice. And right. same thing with PDX out of Portland. You know, it's we play them three times. So so that way we meet the game threshold that matches the rest of the nation in order right. to make the USL playoff tournament. And so I, I definitely would, I hope that another couple clubs show up so we can round out our, our so you minimum. Play. Yep. Yeah, Ballard twice, PDX twice, and then play, you know, Yakima twice. Yeah, yep, exactly. Side of town. Okay. What's the future look like for you guys? What do you, what do you hope for this whole, I mean, with, you've got all these teams and all that, so what, what do you hope over the next couple of years you'd like to see be grown within within the whole Oli Town family? Yeah, I think uh, Oli Town's at a an interesting crossroads where, you know, there was this idea that we, you know, originally it was trying to provide a space for people to play, compete at a high level, have the opportunity. And now it's grown to the point where, you know, it's five teams and it's a, like really the deployment and the management's pretty insane. Whereas Ballard has literally one team. They have one mm-hmm. team, all their resources and deployment goes into one team. And so for us, it's like, how do we get better at, you know, it's like the whole like in and out burger thing, right? You know, we're really good at making a couple burgers We're instead of the cheesecake factory that has 200 meals on it right. and, they're, and they're okay. <laughs> so I feel kind. like, <laughs> <laughs> like uh, I think Oli Town's in a place where we're looking at, all right, how do we be great at a couple things mm-hmm. instead of being so spread out and, and not focused. And so, you know, we are, we are looking at things. I do think that we do want to look at our women's program a little bit more closely because they are so successful. Um, they made their first championship. They're actually playing in Salem, Oregon on Saturday um, in the Northwest premier league, which is, in a semi-professional league across Oregon and Washington. And so, you know, what is the future for women's soccer? You know, we took them into USL in January after competing for four years. You know, this is technically only the first year that the women have been in the Premier League. But, you know, what is the future for women's soccer? What does arena soccer, you know, look like for the club? Um, and do we consolidate programs? And I think, I think, trying to work with cities and counties and stadiums and school districts has really shaped that conversation as well. Like what is our identity? And I think mm-hmm. it really is moving into a really an outdoor soccer piece. Um, but, but our arena league is just so much fun. Like there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing to do in the winter half the time, you know, and you right. come down and we have a beer garden for our, for our arena league. We have a beer garden. We have, we have, you know, exciting, fun entertainment, you know, a kid zone, you know, so there's that aspect too. Like, I don't want to, you know, you know, cut too much or consolidate too much to where we're missing something, but maybe we have something in the winter and then we have something really big in the summer, which is our USLP. So, and then I think there's this youth thing that I think, mm-hmm. um, there, I think it's really important to engage our youth because Seattle is an hour, hour and a half away with traffic, two hours of traffic sometimes, and it's expensive to see the Sounders play, right? Mm-hmm. So engaging with our youth is critical because, like, I just remember being a kid and, and watching high-level sports and being so inspired 
And I feel like it'd be really awesome to engage more with youth, whether it's, you know, academy type um, camps, um, getting the kids out to games, having them work with the athletes, the high level athletes, you know, and and maybe we do look at kind of like a camp series with our USL um, programs. And so um, I think it's just that's something in the future that maybe we might look at where we connect the community mm-hmm. more, especially between. So there's not so much of a gap like it'd be nice for kids to grow up and become stars. And then they go, Oh, I want to, I'm going to play for Holy town. That's my home. That's my hometown. And I have USL in my hometown. I'm not going to go to Seattle or Los Angeles or, you know, New York. I'm going to stay here in town. I'm going to compete. So Mm -hmm. yeah, there's some things there we'd like to consolidate and get better. Okay. Well, this conversation could go on. I mean, I've got so many, so many, it's so interesting to me to unpack and learn new things. So I could go on, but so when you're not when you're not wearing all the caps of you know of team owner putting on game days all these things what do you like to do for fun and relaxation? Yeah, uh, which is few and far between during the season. <laughs> um, it's funny, but I've already scheduled with my significant other uh, Liz, and we actually have four boys at home. Uh, okay, and we have a big blended family, varying ages, uh, all the way from the youngest at three to our oldest uh, is turning 16 in a okay. few months. Um, you know, we're planning, you know, uh, family vacations. You know, we uh, we also backpack. Um, so I love planning, whether it's the Olympic Mountain Range or the North Cascades. Um, I do like to do multi-day packs into the Alpine country. Um, I okay. love, um, I'm a big, uh, I don't know, there's probably a lot of people that are going to judge me on this, but I'm a huge Dave Matthews Band fan. I love going to the Gorge Amphitheater. And seeing Dave Matthews band out there and, uh, yeah, yeah, it, uh, I love live music in general too. I have a wide variety of music, but yeah, I, I hear you laughing. <laughs> no, no, here's my, here's my Dave. Here, I have a Dave Matthews story for you that I think will, I think you'll find humorous. Okay. So this is probably gosh, 10, 12 years ago. So. I was for a little extra income, but for a lot of fun, I, I took a job as a chauffeur. Oh, okay. Okay. And so the, you know, the, the Tony Bourdain over my shoulder, I got to drive Tony Bourdain. Okay. That's cool. So the owner of the company has a friend who helped the gorge out early on. They needed a water suppression truck and a fire truck to meet some codes, right? Yeah. So this guy is a commercial vehicle repo guy. So he had repoed a fire truck and he'd repoed this water tanker. And I don't know if he gave them to the gorge or he sold them to the gorge, whatever. But in return, he has his own private box seating at the gorge. For any event that he wants to go to. He just has to say, I want my seats, and they give it to him. So they they called me up and said, hey, we were, we're going to go over to the gorge. We're taking one of the stretches. We want you to drive. I'm like, okay. And they go, you can go to the show with us. Okay. So I get everybody. We drive over to the gorge. We park the car. Of course, we can park in VIP parking. And, all, and we basically were like, you know, celebrities, if you will, right? Yeah. Except I have to wear the black chauffeur suit. Oh, no. So do you know how few people would stand anywhere near me at the go? I mean, everyone that would see me as I'm walking through, they were like, just like. Oh, yeah. And, and no one wanted anything because they thought I was some like FBI guy. You know, yeah, I was like, no, the, you're no. The, you're the narc in the gorge crowd. Yeah, I'm the narc in the thing. So <laughs> the next year I got to go again. Say, okay, Scott, you can drive again. And it was like. You still have to wear the shirt and the jacket while you're driving, but you can wear shorts and you don't have to wear the shirt and jacket while you're at the show. But Dave Matthews is a great show, man. Yeah, people, I feel like there's a lot, there's a big, it's kind of You either split. love him or you're going to make fun of him, you yeah, know? And I, yeah, my, my, it's exactly what you just said. My recommendation is if you don't like Dave Matthews' band, at least go to their show because yeah. it's a completely different experience than listening to a stu- studio album. Yeah. So. Yeah, he he's I, 
the gorge is a great place to go see music so come on oh yeah it's uh, even just for that alone just to be there so do you see music. when you go do you camp are you one of those people that camp overnight in the parking lot type thing? oh man i've i've graduated out of that crazy crazy <laughs> element uh i i did that in college um back when i used to see dave there and it's moved into uh i do off-site camping away right. from it all and it's away from the madness oh my gosh yeah 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 i made the mistake of camping there one time for a dead show Ooh, oh yeah yeah that was crazy. Was it was it just straight Grateful Dead or was it Dead and Company with John Mayer? It was it was uh, it was the Dead. It was bef- it was after Jerry died, but okay. before Dead and Company. Okay, okay. So it was it was I can't remember who was playing guitar anyway. Um, wow, but it was that's a good crowd. I'm sure <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was a it was a rough night. Oh man, I bet. Oh my gosh. Are right, okay so. Are you a coffee fan? I ask everybody this question. Are you a coffee fan? Uh, I would say I have a coffee problem. Um, no, there's, I no, drink no. way. I drink no. way too much coffee. Uh, I love it, man. Every morning, multiple cups, man. I love it. So I can drink it and then go to bed. I can drink coffee at night. Oh, oh so boy. I, there is no such thing as too much coffee. So, it, in around Olympia, where do you go for coffee? Um, that's a great question. I would say. Um, I probably base it off what I've been drinking lately because I've been really into it is um, I've always liked the bad door from Bronson. I guess they call well they call themselves dancing goats. Now they literally just, okay. have, they have changed their name to that. Okay. Yeah. And they have okay. uh, this capital blend that I always liked. Um, so give that a shot. They they've got some good and they've got a roastery down in Olympia too. That's kind of yep. fun. You could do some cuppings by the farmer's mm-hmm. market in Olympia. I definitely go with them. That's in my cupboard. I've been I've been drinking that lately. Also, uh, Olympia Coffee um, Roasters is pretty good. I've been I you know sometimes go downtown and have a something from them. I got a bag from them, but there is another random one too. I, I do I do try Cutters Point every once in a while. I don't know if you've heard of them. I, yeah, I have. They do roast out of Gig Harbor, but um, yeah, I think it's Gig Harbor. Yeah, I got a buddy uh, named Ryan Zink uh, that I went to high school with that roasts for them. So even though I do love Dancing Goats and Olympia Coffee a lot, and Dancing Goats is actually our title sponsor for soccer. They're the ones. Yeah, that, man, they're cool. it. They are. Oh, they're. I like. It's funny to like. I always drank their coffee, and I've always loved it. But it's weird to be like now associated with their management, <laughs> yeah. and like they they're like a title sponsor, but. It's but it's cool because now I get to like have all the reason in the world to go drink all their coffee all the time. So, yeah, but I would say all if right. I had to rank them, I definitely Dancing Goats, the Olympia coffee is pretty good. And then also Cutter's Point. All right. Where do you go? Where's a, in your opinion, this is your opinion, best place to grab lunch in Olympia or in, in, in when I have Olympia, I mean, you can say Lacey or Tom or something like that. I, we're not going <laughs> to hold you up, but oh yeah, great lunch spot. Uh, man, I would, I would say this is kind of a, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a dive kind of brew pub feel, but, um, tugboat Annie's, um, yeah. dude, I, yeah. I don't know what it is. Uh, tugboat Annie's is so much, you know, down there in the Marina on the kind of that West Bay drive kind of mm-hmm. tugboat Annie's is really cool. I love their, their, their sandwiches, their chicken wings, they've got it. You order the nachos, it comes out on a baking sheet. It's like, I'm a little, I'm a fat, I'm a fat man. And, and, uh, I just, man, tugboat Annie's is good. I would say a close second. Um, actually I would say well lady, um, is pretty good. I do like their chicken, uh, their fried chicken sandwich there. Um, but, um, yeah, tugboat Annie's man ever for years and years and years. I've, Right. I've always loved that place, but well, eighty in a, you, in a close second. Okay, and because you said you like to see live music, is there anywhere in the Olympia area you like to go see live music? You know what? And with I, COVID, everything got whacked. So see, you know. that's the thing is like I do feel like that. Like if you would have asked me this before COVID, I would have said Rhythm and Rye. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, yeah. Rhythm and yeah. Rye was. Like it used to be the old Royal. Um, it used to have mm-hmm. be a, a fun little, it used to have bocce ball and like recliners and couches. You could get a drink there and see a band, but now, mm-hmm. it, but 
I don't even think Rhythm and Rye is around anymore. Um, I, I haven't heard any, not the, since I don't work in Olympia anymore and even live in the west side of the state, I, I haven't heard. But I, my friends that would go there, I, I haven't, they haven't mentioned it in passing lately. Let's just put it that way. There's been some good acts, though, that come into, I think it's the uh, Capitol Theater. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been some good acts that come into there and it's, uh, it's pretty fun to see a show there. Cause you feel like you're going back in time too. It's kind of like one of those classic, like, uh, theater, you know, experiences. Um, yeah. you feel like you're in, in the old days there. It's, it's nice. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I would say that, that back in the day, Rhythm and Rye right now, probably Capitol Theater is probably the Olympia Film Society. I think it owns it, but. Do you, do you ever go see music up in Tacoma? Um, every once in a while, it's I'll I'll uh, I'll jam up and I'll try and see something, but it's usually at the Tacoma Dome. Um, okay, um, which yeah. is honestly the worst venue in the it, world dude, to see live music. Yeah, it is, and I sometimes I'm surprised by some of the acts that come into the Puget Sound, and then they and then I always look and it's like the Tacoma Dome, and I'm like, what? Why would anybody? Anyway, but the com- I do feel like. Uh, have you been to the Spanish ballroom in Tacoma? I have not been there. A lot of my friends play there fairly regularly and yeah. everybody loves it. Yeah. The, I think yeah. it's like the Elks Temple. McMin- it's it was like the old Mc- Elks Lodge. Yeah. The, the oh, yeah. McMinimans, re, you know, revitalized. Yeah. I, uh, there's a lot of bands that I love that play there. And I, okay. so like drop some names. What do you, what do you like to listen to? Besides well, Dave. Yeah, well, like if it was going to be like local bands, um, there there's a band called DBST um, out of Olympia that's really good. Um, they actually just changed their name, and all of a sudden I'm blanking on it. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for that. But like James Coates um, is pretty good. He's kind of like uh, acoustic and electric. James Coates, um, Eldridge uh, Gravy, the Eldridge Gravy Band. They're a local band. They're pretty good. Um, the space whales in Olympia, you got to check them out. The space whales the are pretty space fun. Whales. The space whales. Um, um, let's see. There's, there's one more in there that I, I, I'm blanking on, on it, but I think that's a good list. A yeah, good list no, for that's, now. That's, that's, that's awesome. All right. My get out of jail free card. What should I, what should I ask you that I didn't? Uh, how to find tickets to an Oli Town game? Oh, dang. Thank you. <laughs> that would yeah, that would have been a massive oversight on my part. Yes. Yeah, so, how to get tickets? Where can people find you? What channels are you guys? What inst- are you on oh, Instagram? Yeah. Where are you guys big at? Where can people find out yeah. all about Oli Town? Oh yeah. So we're on all major social media: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, follow us, support us, stay tuned for updates on there and all of our programs and also our community events. But um, OliTownFC.com OliTownFC.com is our website. You can get tickets there. You get schedule information. Also find ways to be a sponsor or donate to the program. Um, but uh, we do have a pretty good YouTube channel now, OliTown Artisans. You can actually watch all of our games. We have play-by-play. We've got fun little interactive things we do with the fans too and you can win prizes. So um, we, yeah, we appreciate your support in advance. It does, everything goes into the team. I can't stress that enough. Every dime is put into the team. So all, all your support. You can also pick up like replica jerseys and scarves online too. OliTownFC.com. All right. I got one last question for you because you said scarves. All right. What, what's the deal with scarves in soccer? What, <laughs> what, what's the deal? Yeah. I, you know, th- I couldn't trace the roots. I couldn't, I couldn't do that for you right now. But what I would say is, uh, going across the world there's just always been this you know club and crest or or chants that are printed mm-hmm. on these scarves and people hold them up above their heads and they'll wear them proudly to the games there's winter scarves that are heavy and warm and then there's summer scarves uh, which the material is like high def and it's cool feeling you know even in 80 90 degree weather and it's just <laughs> Like, you know, like baseball's ball caps, you know what I mean? Yeah. Real, real simple. Uh, you know, soccer is all about scarves and replica jerseys. You know, replica jerseys is across everything, all sports. But I think scarves is is is, is soccer's thing. You know, scarves up, you know, and shaking right. them. And yeah, yeah. it's uh, No, it's cool. I mean, 
it's I, I I went to one Sounders game in in my life, and it was it was an amazing experience. It was like wow, there's a lot going on here, and I don't know really what's happening on the field, but what's happening around me is maybe more entertaining because I don't know what's going on on the field. It was nonstop fan craziness. Oh yeah, I feel like the, especially like those Sounders Timbers rivalry matches is there i feel like there's just as much going on in the crowd that there is on the field so it's crazy it's fun all right well much luck to Oli town thank you sir thank you for having us yeah well thank you for taking the time to be here but i i love the fact that you know that we're we're providing a sense of community within the community you know whether it's with 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 your your soccer or baseball football hockey it doesn't matter i think giving giving the smaller communities something to identify with and rally around is really important to all our all the communities and so kudos to you for doing that with for olympia and surrounds and i hope it is continuing success thank you so much i couldn't agree more and appreciate your time today and having some good laughs there that was pretty fun awesome Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.